1: Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. This is episode 17. It's Monday, August 21st. High school football and uh, college football starting this week. So it's a big day in sports. I'm Matt Roy joined by Chuck megatinic Chuck, I like uh, Don's suggestion from last time that we're going to come up with the name or Thing that number 17 reminds you of so episode 17 when you think of 17 what do you think of
0: i have no idea why mark grace of the chicago cubs is what pops <laughs> into my head first but that's that's my 17 and i'm going with it
1: that's not what i expected you to say
0: i don't know why but mark grace <laughs> mark when i see grace. the number 17 i think of him
1: usually it's like john havlicek Devonte, I figured Devonte Adams would come out. Devonte Adams
0: mouth. is a good one. You're right. That probably <laughs> is what should have popped in my head. A little bit head, less but obscure. For some reason, yeah. Mark Grace. We'll go with that.
1: So, in uh, Mike Greenberg just wrote a book recently with his uh, main man Hembo, and they like assign numbers to everybody in sports from one to a hundred. Johnny Havlicek was 17 in the book. I would argue that Shohei Otani – is becoming a more popular and better 17. And I would, th- I would think the 17 by the time Shohei retires is going to belong to
0: him. Shohei is definitely making the number 17 cool, is he not? Is
1: he? he is. He is. He's making baseball cool too, so that's kind of cool. It's
0: like Favre with the number four, right? The number four was completely obscure until Favre made it cool. Well, there's a couple
1: of people who are just synonymous with numbers. It's like John Elway. When I think of seven, I think of John Elway. When I think of 18, which is going to be Wednesday, I think of uh, Peyton Manning. When I think of four, I think of Brett Favre. I think of certain guys. When you think of 14, who do you think of?
0: 14. First 14 that comes into my head. Jeepers creepers.
1: Pete Rose is... Okay, that's a good one. Is the one that comes to mind for me. I just think of Pete Rose when I think of 14.
0: I would have to, I'd probably have to sit and think about that one for a while because nothing is popping into my head for whatever reason.
1: But then you have like infamous ones like 23, Michael Jordan. No doubt. I mean, really, really easy ones. Right. <laughs> so,
0: when you think about chromosomes for some reason with twenty. <laughs>
1: Your mind goes weird places, it Chuck. Does.
0: <laughs> it goes it's really, a vast wasteland, bro. It's really this is odd. What happens? You're gonna crack open a microphone for any amount of time. Some weird things are gonna come out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our uh, our rundown today. It's a fun exercise that that I like doing at the beginning of this. So good idea from Don. There. Uh We got a lot to get to. Full breakdown of the Cowboys preseason game as they continue through the preseason. Now, game two is over. Some good, some bad, some ugly from that one. Plus. Jerry Jones had some interesting comments regarding why he caved to Zach Martin, which we all figured he would do, and uh, I wanted to get into rookie quarterbacks and why uh, three of them are probably going to start week one, and if Chuck and I think that's a good idea, bad idea when it comes to our kind of philosophies there. So immediately, let's get to the Cowboys. They played their second preseason game on Saturday, lost to Seattle, but they lost even more than the score indicated because they had some injuries from that game. The uh, most notable of which were DeMarvion Overshone, the rookie linebacker out of Texas, third round pick. Uh, he's out for the season with the ACL. John Stevens Jr., They were he's a receiver, converting him to tight end. He was trying to make the team as their fourth tight end behind Jake Ferguson and uh, Luke Schoonmacher and Peyton Hendershot. Uh, he's out for the season with an ACL tear. Offensive lineman Matt Woletsko, he was kind of the swing tackle. He had a subluxation of his shoulder, so he's going to be uh, kind of banged up a little bit. And then Sheldrick Redwine also had a little bit of an injury. He had, a, he had a bad hammy. So, Chuck, when we left on Thursday, I asked you what you wanted to see this weekend. And you said health, and uh, here we are.
0: Yeah, mission not accomplished, right? But this is the problem with having these preseason games. You know, you're going to find out some things about some of the young guys that you hope are end into- up on your squad at the end of the se- at the end of the preseason, the converse of this is what you saw the other night. I mean, to lose decent young dudes like this, I mean, particularly DeMarvion Overshown. And, you know, you just I- I'm just grateful for moments that you have, you know, getting to do what we get to do. I mean, before these guys even left for camp, you know, I've never met DeMarvion Overshown, even during OTAs and mini camp, we ended up missing him. But his agents Jack Scharf and Jeffrey Griffin are based here in San Antonio. So DeMarvion spent a lot of his offseason going, you know, pre-draft, post-draft in San Antonio, working out, getting some business stuff done, doing public appearances, that kind of stuff. And to be able to hang out with DeMarvion Overshone as a guest of the two agents that I just said was a very nice experience for me just to see what kind of a guy DeMarvion is as a human, not just a football player. We know he's a good player. But, I mean, he he signed, he was over at the steakhouse over there on I-10 and, you know, took pictures with everybody. And it wasn't stack and rack style. It was he had human experiences with everybody that was there. In fact, there were some Oiler fans from back in the day. They were my age that were there. And they're like, we hate the Cowboys. We're Oiler fans. we kind of gravitated towards the Titans. And it's like, well, if I were you, I would go make a human connection with to Marvion Overshawn because you may hate the Cowboys, but there's no way you can hate this kid as a human. I mean, he's just a great young guy. Good worldview, you know, comes from a small town, humble upbringings, but none of that's left him through all of this notoriety and celebrity that he's accrued on his way up the football scale. So, you know, personally, this one hurts a little bit because it was gonna be fun to watch him, to see how he developed during his first year. To see the athleticism, I think a lot of people saw that. But, you know, now he's going to be shut down. He's going to have to rehab the whole year. And you could tell. I mean, Mike McCarthy was a little bummed at his press conference after the game Mm -hmm. the other night. You could tell. he, He kept saying, you know, I just hope these injuries don't overshadow what we saw that was good in the preseason game. And obviously, you know, they were lucky they didn't lose more guys, as it turns out.
1: I mean, not even overshadow what they saw in the preseason game, but overshadow what they saw from DeMarvion for the last since he was drafted in May. I mean... He has popped off the field every single time that he's been on it. Every He said it, uh, uh, McCarthy said it himself. He said that it seems like every other day that they were talking about DeMarvion, and that's a big thing to say about a rookie, any rookie, especially right. a third-round rookie.
0: Yeah, especially in that room with the exactly. linebackers that they've got.
1: Exactly. and so when you're competing with guys like Micah and Leighton and, and all these other dudes and you're the one that they're talking about because of your development and how you're showing out in the preseason and how you're showing out in, in practice i remember talking to zach and he did a whole couple of features on Demarvion for us because he's just it seems like he's just popping off the field and popping off the film every time you look at it and i i just hate that that happens to him Ryan. because it's just it's like I was really excited to watch him this year and see exactly what they had in, in Demarvion. And now we have to wait a whole nother year. You know,
0: to do it's it. one of those things where you know you go to any practice, high school, college pro, and you may be looking, your eyes may be at some different part of the field or a diamond or wherever you're at, but there's always those guys that somehow you see out of the corner of your eye and you end up thinking to yourself, Who is that? Mm-hmm. And he's just one of those guys. He looks different. Than everybody else that he's around, or most of the guys that he's around.
1: Yeah, and and to put a little bow on Demarvion, another thing is that it's kind of wearing down on their depth at the linebacking core as well. Because we, sadly, we I think we know Leighton's not going to play a whole season. He's proven that he doesn't do that, and they're also trying to move him more to a a rushing angle, which has been <clears throat> kind of in. Some of the stories of the preseason is trying to move him to more of an outside linebacker position and not really that middle linebacker spot. So maybe he's going to have to do that a little less now with Marvion out because he that uh, it doesn't really give them the flexibility to move Leighton around that much now.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they pair this out. I mean, obviously, if you got to keep Leighton healthy and you got to keep eleven healthy, and then you could probably mix and match with some of the other guys that they have, but. You know, again, it's such a long season. You know, you have to be very careful about the number of reps that these guys are getting during the course of the game. I mean, you see what happens even in the preseason.
1: Yeah, it's just if there was a spot where they could have lost somebody, it, I don't think linebacker was it, especially DeMarvion, spe- because he's been coming on so strong. So I just think, like, linebacker, that 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 depth that they have is going to be a question mark all year long. They also lost, like I said, uh, John Stevens, who had a really good first preseason game. Um, he was labeled receiver then, he's being converted to the tight end spot, now he's out for the season, so that's also. it's always sad to see young players that go out when they're trying to make a name for themselves.
0: Yeah, he's, he's another guy too, right? You know, he looks a little different at the tight end position, but there's that length and size, you just go, you know, he's the tallest guy around, he just right. looks <laughs> bigger than everybody else in the huddle, and that's saying something at the NFL level
1: then their offensive line depth now that now that Zach Martin's back which is it'll help but Matt will let's go I, sp- I can speak from experience shoulder injuries don't go away especially because this is a separate shoulder this is a, the the other shoulder that he didn't injury this was his healthy shoulder that is now hurt as well so when you're having those subluxations which is basically like your joint popping in and out It's never good, especially when you're trying to move 350-pound men against their will, and this is your swing tackle spot.
0: Yeah, those are always tough, too, because, again, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on with the shoulder. I mean, generally speaking, like if you ever dislocate your shoulder, Mm -hmm. you tear your labrum. So at some point, generally speaking, your labrum is going to need to be cut, and it's reconstruction, no matter how big the tear is in the shoulder. So, you know, it's one of those things you can probably play with, but— Yeah, if you move it the wrong way or it gets torqued the wrong way, it's probably coming out again and not fun. But, you know, having done that a million times myself and I finally had to get it cut in my old age, you know, you can do it. It's just, and, you know, once it pops back in, if you've ever had that done, it feels great. It feels Mm -hmm. like you can do anything until you do the one thing that you can't where (laughs) it comes out again. So... You know, they can kind of harness it down and maybe do some of those other things. And, you know, again, but if it's so bad, if the labrum tear is so bad that it's literally coming out, like, say, while you're sleeping, then, you know, yeah. obviously th- there's a point of no return with some of this stuff. Well, yeah,
1: he's gonna he'll probably play with a brace on his arm and it'll hamper his movement a little bit and try and keep it in certain spots where it doesn't go into the wrong ones. So we'll see how that plays out. It's just... It was a loss on multiple fronts on Saturday Indeed. for the Cowboys, but they they had some great things as well. Jalen Tolbert's phenomenal, and that's something we didn't say last year almost at all. Jalen Tolbert has come on extremely strong in this preseason. On Saturday, he had four catches, 66 yards, including a 35-yarder from Cooper Rush in the first quarter, I believe. He's, just, he's really showing why he's going to make the team and why they took him in the third round last year. You
0: know, and I, I think it gets lost in the translation here, some of this with Jalen, was that, you know, for the longest time he thought of himself as a baseball player first and then got to football, not late, but, you know, if you're playing other sports, you know, maybe you don't have the corporate knowledge that if you were just the football player and then you're going to the NFL and all of a sudden those playbooks look like, you know, war and peace. And there's a lot to digest in that regard. I mean, he just looks like he's playing more free, right? He knows the system. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's thinking less and playing more. And uh, I don't think there's any question that he's made a huge leap it's almost between like the, last year to this
1: year. It's almost like the pressure's off of him because last year was the first one without Amari Cooper. And it's like he was kind of trying to come in and fill that role instead of cd needed to elevate his game and he did then they were like okay michael gallup's coming off an acl tear maybe too much pressure's being put on Jalen tolbert right away because he was supposed to be the two or the three and now it's like okay you have michael gallup who's fully recovered you have brandon cooks now who's the two and you have cd who is the unquestioned number one on the team the pressure seems to be off of Jalen a lot, so where he can just go out and play.
0: Right, and I think having Brandon Cooks in the room, too, I mean, they've all talked about it. I mean, this guy not only came in after he signed his contract, got with the program as quick as he could, he's taken all these younger guys under his wing, too, and kind of shown the ropes. Now, obviously, Cooks is a premier talent in the NFL, and, I mean, anything that he's willing to share, even if physically... They look like two different receivers. You know, they're going to be little tricks of the trade that I think are going to pay dividends for not only Jalen, but for the rest of this young receiver core that they've got trying to come up and make the team, you know, be the fifth or sixth receiver.
1: Yeah, and speaking of this fifth and sixth receiver, Kevante Turpin, someone that you've been watching pretty closely, what would you see from him on Saturday?
0: Uh, you know, again, incomplete. You know, again, I. you can see the raw ability. You can see the talent. You can see how twitchy he is. You can see what happens when you get him in space. A lot of good things are going to happen if you can get him the ball in space. But is he polished enough to be an NFL receiver at this point? I don't know. I mean, there looks like there's some other guys that maybe aren't as athletic as him that are already on this roster. But we'll see how they end up pairing this out. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions, right? for five and six.
1: I think that they were trying to make it easier on him to make the, they really, I think they really want him to make the roster. I think so too. And I think they're giving him every opportunity, um, which might be one of the reasons they moved John Stevens over to, to tight end, maybe take a little bit more pressure off. And then you have Dennis Houston, who's chomping at the bit as well. But, I don't know. There's something that's sh- he's just not selling himself enough and taking advantage of those opportunities to the fullest extent that he can.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one too, because you know it's the the double-edged sword, right? You have this raw talent and you see the ability that's there, but at some point you are going to run out of opportunities because you know if you say that athletically, that Turpin is way more athletic than Dennis Houston, but if you're not in the right spots, if you're not, you know, if you're not catching the ball consistently enough, at some point you may say to yourself, Well, okay, maybe this is all Dennis Houston's ever going to be, and he doesn't have the ability that Turpin has. But the bottom line is right now, if we're going and getting ready to go play some games, at some point you've got to have somebody that you're comfortable with putting him on the field.
1: One thing I think that we know for sure at this point is that the Cowboys running back room is I wrote down a bad word, but really, really, really good. They are so good. They're freaking awesome. Deuce Vaughn, Rico Dowdle, and Malik Davis, all three of them showed once again that they can run and any of them can be the number two. I think that Deuce Vaughn has shown that he's gonna be that third down back and he they're gonna put they're gonna if they have some creativity in the offensive play calling room and offensive design, they're gonna put him in some really, really cool spots. And I think this season we're gonna see him in interesting scenarios and situations and and different positions on the field to trying to exploit his explosiveness.
0: I agree 100%. And I think it's kind of cool, too. I think fans get to see, you know, this is a prime example that when you're building a roster, even as far back as last year, you know, they know and they've seen things in practice that Rico can do. They saw what Malik Davis was doing at practice, and then what he did when he got his limited opportunities – during the course of the season. You know, but Rico gets banged up last year. But again, when you're building a roster for and you're looking ahead to 2023 while you're in 2022, you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, if Zeke is making all this money, but we have these other guys that we think we can plug in." I mean, it just becomes an easy situation or an easier situation I think for the organization to make. It's like, "Okay, we can take $10 million off the roster by turning Zeke loose and now we have these young guys that are very very functional and you know in some cases more twitchy you know more this more that they're younger less tread on their bodies or you know they're, yeah. they're less worn out
1: yeah still still got some spring in those legs
0: right and not that Zeke doesn't it's just when you're building a roster it's these are the things you have to weigh and so as much as Cowboy fans and I would say mostly Cowboy reporters would love to have Zeke around, it's just not possible when you have a salary cap. But it's also good, too. It's like now these guys, Rico, Malik, you know, whoever it may be, Deuce, they get a chance to show that they might be the next Zeke.
1: Yeah. And Malik had a really good um, run where he was, it seemed like he was carrying two guys in the first half, and then Rico scored it on a touchdown uh on that little pick play out of the backfields and then deuce vaughn's touchdown over on saturday was deuce vaughn-esque he jukes one guy and then spins around another gets into the end zone on a 14-yard scamper so it but the thing that i just thought of and is going to be interesting is which one's not going to make the roster because you still have rojo you have tony pollard that's two malik davis rico dowdle deuce vaughn that's five You're, there's no way they go in with five running backs on their roster So which one doesn't make it?
0: Well, I think it's going to be tough for Rojo at this point, right? Because he's already facing a suspension early on in the season. So he's not going to help you. I think it's, was it two games? Two games, yeah.
1: So they don't have to make this decision really until week three, but still. Right.
0: And then a lot can happen. Obviously, we saw what happened in the preseason game on Saturday night. Any one of these guys could go down at any time. And usually these things have a way of sorting themselves out or itself out, whatever it is. Right. (laughs) By the time you get to either the regular season or, you know, even through the preseason. So there's numbers right now, but you're right. They don't have to be pressed to make a decision just yet.
1: Because I think if you put any of those three guys, uh, Rico, Deuce, or Malik Davis on the uh, practice squad, I think they get snapped up pretty pretty quickly, especially Deuce. Um so it'll be kind of interesting to see who who makes the team and who's on it for the long haul. But I think that second running back spot is just, that's probably the biggest position battle that they have in camp right now.
0: It very well could be. I mean, I think, you know, based on what I've seen so far, it looks like Rico's the guy at this point. You know, I think he could have been the guy maybe even last year, you know, to some degree to be getting those third string reps. So, but he got hurt you just like that guy in space too, right? Yeah. You feel like something good is going to happen when that guy has maybe one guy around him or even if a guy's trying to flank him.
1: I keep going back to what Jerry said in that one-on-one with Zach when he's just like, this team's got speed. God damn right they do. They are right. fast, man. They are fast. They're explosive. They're twitchy in the, at every position on the field, especially at skill positions. So It's going to be cool to see how they use everybody, but... Overall, I wasn't huge on the way that the special teams went. They had a, that safety at the end of the game, kind of took them out of contention. Um, that was Rico letting his guy through the personal protector, and then he tried to get it ran out of the end zone. But So uh, the, the special teams have been unimpressive so far. Brandon Aubrey made all of his kicks, kicks, I believe, on Saturday, so that's good. It's one week out of the crossfire for him. So congratulations to Brandon Aubrey on making his kicks. So... um Yeah, that's what we got on the Saturday game. Let's get to what Jerry said on Zach Martin. So, Jerry, before the game on Saturday, had an interesting quote he was being asked by reporters about why he caved to Zach Martin. This is what he said. He said, quote, He's indispensable. We had to have him on the field. He never in any way gave any indication to me that he was not going to be on the field. We felt the way he felt, and he obviously felt the way we felt, whatever that means. That's why he's here. And then he went on to say, I feel good about this team. I had Everything, it had everything to do with what we did with Zach. I do feel strong about this team. I didn't feel like we needed a, to have a hiccup there. That influenced me a lot. I think the most important thing is I like where the whole team is emotionally, expectation-wise. I think Mike and the coaches have done a great job. We didn't need to have any downers. So when you hear that, Chuck, what do you think of?
0: Well, the two lines that stand out to me are, I didn't feel like we needed to have a hiccup there. And the next one is, We didn't need to have any downers, right? And I guess from the 40,000-foot view, that's probably the best way of looking at this and probably why Jerry ended up falling on the sword in this particular case because if he does really feel good about this team, if the coaching staff feels good about the team, if this team feels good about itself going into the season and where they are physically, mentally, you know, the scheme, all that stuff, To have a distraction with one of your best players potentially not being there or get to the point where there's a point of no return where they have to trade him, any of those things, I don't think, based on what Jerry said, that he wanted to tempt fate. It's We have these things in place. Let's go ahead and do something that maybe necessarily we don't want to do because he also said in the same sentences that the money that they had allocated for CD— and Micah it's now going to be a lot harder to get those deals done because of money that they've allocated for Zach in the next couple of years. So they they did have to sacrifice in some way, shape or form. And I just wonder at some point if somebody like CD or Micah, if it comes to it, probably more CD because he's up first, you know, if this all of a sudden is not. that you know, just a problem that you're kicking down the road.
1: I I don't think it's going to affect those two guys, really. I think they're going to get what they get, and it's probably going to affect some guy lower on the roster, like a Rojo or, you know, a third tight end or something that they need to get that $4 million back from. But what really stood out to me is that they said he said once again, and he has been – he's said it throughout the offseason that he feels really good about this team. I would argue that this is probably their best chance to make – the Super Bowl in 28 years since they've been to their last one. I think that this is probably the best team they've had since 1995. And Jerry is more or less saying, we're pulling out all the stops. We're going to push all our chips to the middle of the table. I won't be surprised if they make a big trade before the trade deadline. If someone does get injured, I think that they think this is their best opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to put in terms for me all, going all the way back to the last Super Bowl because they've had some good teams. And I mean, they've had it set up for themselves pretty nicely, too. I mean, the O seven 7 team had home field and then, you know.
1: Was that the, was that the Tony Romo fumble? Year? No,
0: that was uh, the year that they played the Giants and then the Giants went on the run right. and won the Super Bowl. Right. Um, you know, and again, hats off to the Giants that year for doing what they did to win all those games on the road and then to knock off the Patriots, you know, who hadn't lost a game. And then, you know, that year they lost to the Packers. You know, that was another really good team where you're thinking, man, this is a team that believes in itself. It's really, really good. And once you get to the tournament, you never know. But then there's the, you know, the Aaron Rodgers throw to Cook on third and forever and time winding down. And it's the perfect throw with a perfect route on the sideline. And then the last second field goal, I mean – I don't know that this team is as good as those other two. I guess we're going to find out. It's, I think, easy to sit here and say that they are based on what they have right now. But, again, it's this whole march through the regular season. You, you know, what you start off with is not what you're going to end up looking like at the end of the season. It's hard for me to make that leap as we sit here in late August.
1: What they are to us is, diff- is obviously different and up for debate. What they are to Jerry is very apparent, because Jerry, in his actions and in his words, has said and shown that he thinks this is their best team. He thinks this is a Super Bowl contender, and he thinks they're going to knock off the Eagles. Because, in his defense, the NFC can be had. The AFC is a cluster. Like who who knows? I mean, put the Chiefs at the top in in pencil and see what else plays out. But the NFC is wide open. Who who's gonna is Brock Purdy gonna play well for the Niners? I don't know. Is Sam Darnold or Trey Lance going to play for the Niners? I don't know. Is Geno going to have a decent season? Is Jalen Hurts going to duplicate what he did last year? I have no idea. Aaron Rodgers now in the AFC. The Packers are – I mean, are the Lions going to win that division? I don't know.
0: Right. It, they got a chance. I they mean, got, yeah, I the mean, whole division is – The Cowboys. That whole central division is uh, – or the north division yeah. is is – I think completely in flux. but And but, I think you've seen teams like the Vikings kind of pivot based on what you've said. I and mean, that's
1: the point. Like the Cowboys yeah. see this NFC and they see, okay, the Eagles are good. Who else? Why can't it be them? And I think that's what, what Jerry is seeing. Yeah, well said. And the fact that he didn't want Zach to be a distraction is like, okay, we might have you know cut off our pinky to save the hand. Here, but I I don't know. It's everything that they they've shown is is showing us that, and showing me at least that they think that there's huge, huge, huge expectations yeah, for this team they're this putting year.
0: Putting all their chips on the table. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't. I just hope that they have aces and not twos. Right. <laughs> so let's get to one other topic uh, today that I wanted to discuss because I, th- I I just think it's an endlessly fascinating one. Um, you've seen over the last. 10 years or so, rookie starters coming in and starting right away. Rookie players, especially quarterbacks. This year, you have Bryce Young who got taken one. CJ Stroud at two to the Texans and four was Anthony Richardson to uh, the Colts, all three of which lining up to be the starters. Anthony Richardson already named, Bryce Young already named, CJ Stroud hasn't been named yet, but pretty sure that's coming. Um, CJ Stroud obviously more on our radar since the Texans down here in Texas. So, but I don't really know what I think about that because I think it's a case-by-case basis, but uh, overall, I usually tend to believe that starting rookies game one uh, at the quarterback position is a bad idea.
0: It sure seems like it on a lot of levels, right? I mean, especially when you're talking about these franchises that have older players and families and there's so much money riding on the line and, you know, billion-dollar corporations, you know, you're basically handing the car keys Mm -hmm. to a kid to go say, okay, let's see what we got. You know, I guess it's a case-by-case basis with me, Matt. You know, I think there was a lot of wisdom early on with how the Packers brought Aaron Rodgers along and it was year four where they finally said, okay, now it's time to go. I mean, some of these guys... You know, it takes a while to. I mean, there's a lot to learn. And well, look at Patrick, a, a look at Patrick game. Mahomes. Right.
1: He sat behind Alex Smith, and now he's the be- probably the best quarterback that has right. ever lived. The most talented quarterback that's ever lived. And
0: I then mean, there's the other side of it, which is you know you're going to build up some calluses when you're getting your brains knocked out and you're seeing things for the first time. And you know, the more you see those things, the better you're going to react. Hopefully, you live to tell about it. But you know, like. CJ Stroud, at least he's got the frame, it looks like, mm-hmm. to absorb some of the things that he's going to be seeing for the first time. I think the hard part is, you know, at the pro level especially, is, is that a lot of what made these guys great in college is that, you know, they can also tuck it and go, and they're really good at RPOs, and they're really good at making the defense think that they might be able to take off and run with the ball, too, which obviously opens up the passing game for him later on. But, at the pro level, because everybody's big, everybody's fast, everybody's the same size, they're big and bigger, you know, these guys, they're going to get hurt a lot more often mm-hmm. if you run nothing but or tailor your offense to be mostly RPO-styled offense. So you got to be judicious with it, but I think, you know, if you look at a team like the Eagles and how they run their offense with a young quarterback, they've kind of tailored everything and made every they've made the game smaller, so to speak. You know, you're playing small ball. It's balls not going way downfield, and you're not stretching the field or doing any of that. You've just got guys that you're maneuvering in space, and you're tailoring it because he's not the strongest arm guy in the league, but there are some things that he does well, and so they're taking advantage of it, and they've got a really good defense too, and they're good up front.
1: But even then, it's so, a young quarterback who got hurt right before the Super Bowl last right. year, you know? Yeah. So I when I when when I think about it, it is a case-by-case basis, and just taking this year as an example, Bryce Young is going to get killed, in my opinion. He's 5'10 and 200 pounds, and if you start him week one without him knowing exactly where to go with the ball and exactly what to do, he's going to hold it for one second too long, and T.J. Watt is going to kill him. So I, just, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. C.J. Stroud is probably the most NFL-ready, and I hate that expression, NFL-ready. Right because none of them are ready right um but CJ Stroud probably has the best chance he has the best O line that's for sure even the Titus Howard just got hurt uh and then Anthony Richardson The 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 book on him coming out was that he was the most unready and he's going to start week one And so I'm afraid that he's going to end up turning into like a Cam Newton where he's just a wrecking ball as a quarterback and doesn't end up developing as a passer and he's out of the league in six years, which would really suck because he's probably the most talented quarterback since Patrick Mahomes came
0: in. It's always a slippery slope, right? I mean, the coaches know what they have. The problem is you don't know with some of these teams if you're getting pressure from ownership to start the rookie, you know, if it's... If it's a 50-50 split between, you know, let's say, you know, Davis has got more corporate knowledge, obviously, mm-hmm. with one year under his belt than the young quarterback has. But he doesn't have the skill set. You know, I don't know how you pair this at this point. I mean, I think the Texans should be very excited that their young receivers look pretty good. Yeah. You know, and they got to, you know, you got to figure out a way to. Get that offensive line healthy because they've been nicked up a little too up front. And that that's another thing that scares you about a young quarterback is they've had their fair share of injuries now up front during this training camp. So there's a lot of moving parts of the Texans. They got a lot of questions to answer before we answer the bell for week one.
1: Tell you what, Tank Dell is phenomenal. that that young Houston receiver out of Houston is wonderful. He is incredible.
0: Yep. You got Mechie coming back too from They can make cancer. a leap.
1: They can make a little leap. I don't know, but I mean, their division's there to be had too. With that, besides the Jags, but the Jags slip up a little bit. They started, they started uh, slow last year. They could do it, you know. Who knows? Um, that's what we got for this week. Uh, but very excited to tell you that on Wednesday, when Chuck and I return—not Thursday this week—it'll be Wednesday. We'll have our. first high school athletics episode of the season it's very very exciting so every Wednesday from now until the end of the school year we'll be dropping an episode previewing the week's biggest games highlighting local athletes so for the next 10 weeks at least it's going to be football or actually probably the next 15 weeks it's going to be football but we're also going to be previewing our Thursday Night Lights game of the week which this week is Heartland Elvers Vet Memorial which is very exciting because we're going to have a generational running back prospect on our airwaves so that'll be fun and James Peoples so we'll have that on Wednesday we'll have interviews with all the coaches we'll have interviews with Peoples and a couple of the players as well Jack actually went and got those all today for me so I'm gonna listen to those cut those up and everything but Chuck very exciting getting some high school football going on now
0: it is. I enjoyed talking with the Veterans Memorial coach today and it started to feel like Monday of Game Week, right? right. You go through their usual routine of picking up the phone and starting to make some phone calls to get some intel as to what you think you might be seeing on Thursday night. It's kinda cool too because this is like for these coaches too, they get to see what they finally have. You know, all these weeks of working out and trying to build a team together or bring a team together and then you know, some of the young guys that you had last year that made a leap, You know what are they going to do their senior year? Just a fascinating time of year. It's always fun to roll <laughs> these games out and see what we got.
1: Absolutely. And just to, for a little bit of context on why we're doing it on Wednesdays, because we have TNL, which is a Thursday Night Lights game, we're doing uh, high school episodes on Wednesdays. I know we have some national listeners. I think we have some listeners from France and all that stuff. So my uh, San Antonio high school sports might not interest you, but when we came up with the idea for this podcast in general, I wanted to do one – and make sure that we're entirely um, divulging and, and getting into the community as much as possible because there's really no way to, one, grow the podcast and grow our department and stuff, but two, three, become more like entrenched in our own community and in our back door and know the kids that we're covering and know the coaches that we're covering and know everybody that's going on than being able to talk about them once a week and having a community, one, invest in us and us invest in them. So I, I feel like... It was almost our responsibility to do that at least once a week.
0: The older I get, Zach, the more I understand that there are great stories everywhere, right? There's stories at the NFL level, of course, but there's also great stories at the high school level. I mean, you meant you mentioned James Peoples. That's just one of yeah. many. You know, there's gonna be the next dude that's coming along. We got a lot of underclassmen that are of that ilk where they are, as you said, generational, where, you know, they're dudes, and then they're dudes that you don't see but every nine or ten years or so and there's a lot of those guys and you're right that's part of our job right to illuminate some of this stuff that's going on and obviously to catch a rising star you know you don't want to be the guy that's talking about Zeke Elliott when he was in your own backyard after he's already scoring 50 touchdowns a year for the Dallas Cowboys you want to be doing it now Mm -hmm. so that you know down the line you could say yeah we've been when when Ohio State calls and said hey do you got any video of this kid When he was playing in high school, because we're doing this big piece, it's like, yeah, we were on that then. You don't want to go, oh, no, we missed that. How do you miss that stuff? You don't unless you got your eyes closed. So that's another benefit to having doing this is that it opens our eyes or it takes our eyes to places that I think a lot of people don't know that we go.
1: Absolutely. And so from now, like I said, from every Wednesday from now until the end of the school year, we'll be highlighting football first and then we'll go to some other sports basketball, we got baseball, we got all kinds of sports here in Texas, you know, but football is obviously the driver for very uh, obvious reasons. So I'm very excited to do that on Wednesday and you'll get that every week. If you don't want to listen to that one, don't have to, don't have to tune into it. You'll be able to see, I'll put high school preview on the front of it. So you'll be able to see exactly what's in the episode. So don't worry about that. Uh, Anyway, quick reminder, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. YouTube version will have some video elements, especially on that Wednesday episode. You'll be able to see uh, practice, film, and all that stuff of those teams, so that's always fun. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. Give us a five-star rating and some feedback. Feedback is a gift. I think that's the first time I've done that and not messed up, so that's good. Go me. It only took 17 episodes. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday in the Sneakers and Cleats podcast.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader.